Thanks for joining our Dialing Into Your Best Dairy, a podcast series brought to you by dairy educators with Cornell University. In this series, we'll be walking through a cow's life cycle to pinpoint best management practices to maximize each cow's genetic potential in your herd. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the concluding episode of Cornell Cooperative Extension's Dialing Into Your Best Dairy. I'm Betsy Hicks, Dairy Specialist for the South Central New York region, and I'm joined today by Dairy Specialists Margaret Quasdorf and Lindsay Ferlito of the Northwest New York and North Country regions. Throughout this series, we've gone through each life stage of the dairy cow, starting from birth, and the steps to take along the way to make sure that we are helping her to reach her full genetic potential and increase her longevity in the herd. If you want to listen back to any of the episodes featuring other Cornell Extension dairy specialists, researchers, and industry folk, or check out the resources, they are available on the ProDairy website. So, Lindsay, what are we talking about today? Thanks, Betsy. Today's episode is a little bit different. Our guests today are the owners of Salt Prowley Dairy in Humbird, Wisconsin. At Salt Prowley Dairy, the goal is to create a stress-free environment for their cows so their genetics can excel. You've probably heard their name before, as the herd contains the world milk production record holder, Salt Prowley Aftershock 3918. This cow produced 78,170 pounds of milk, 3,094 pounds of butterfat, and 2,393 pounds of protein in just one lactation to break that record. Now, this is definitely an impressive cow, but what's more impressive is that the Prawleys have a whole herd of cows that deserve appreciation as well. And Margaret's got some questions for the owners. That's right, Lindsay. Sells Prolly Dairy aims for 110 pounds of milk per cow per day. But just as importantly, they have a component goal to maintain over 7 pounds of combined fat and protein. For reference, a cow producing 90 pounds would have to have at least a 4.5% butterfat and a 3-2% protein to achieve that 7 pounds of components. Currently, their herd is at 105 pounds of milk per cow per day and produces over that 7 pounds of combined fat and protein. So without further delay, we would like to welcome to the podcast, Pam and Scott, owners of the Cells Prowley Dairy, and talk with them about the management strategies that they use that allows their herd to reach its full genetic potential. Welcome, Pam and Scott. Can you share with us a little bit about your farm? Well, we're a typical farm. Uh, we're a family farm of several generations in uh, Clark County, which is the heart of dairy in Wisconsin. We milk 500 cows and we uh, crop around 800 acres and have a great team of people that focus on cows every day. Great. Let's hear a little bit more about Aftershock 3918, your record milk production cow. When did you know that your cow was going to be exceptional? Well, I think for 3918, she started off great as a two-year-old, exceeding all expectations as far as a group of two-year-olds. She was well above the average as a whole. She made over 35,000 as a two-year-old. In her lactation, she came back, um, made 45,000. I believe her third lactation, she was about 58,000. So as she was maturing, she was trending upward the whole time. We, we knew she was a good cow, but she's also a cow that really never needed to see us because she was out in the barn all the time just doing her job like she was supposed to. And especially the year that uh, she made the record, she was a cow that 
we really, you know, you didn't pay attention to her because she was a cow that just did her thing. She was always healthy, always eating, getting back and forth to the parlor, doing her job. And it just so happened that after one of her tests that uh, we had gone back from the milk tester, I noticed that, well, gosh, she's, she's uh, like six or seven tests ready in this lactation. And she's averaging like 230 pounds of milk a test. And, and we take seven day averages. We have daily milk weights in our parlor. So it all comes through our computer system. And so we, we can notice this at all times, but it's, is something we never paid attention to because she didn't ruffle our feathers as a cow that we needed to look at on a daily basis because uh, we have a, an SDR system that's incorporated into our facility and so we tend to only watch those cows that we deem that need assistance every day and she never came up on what we would call the naughty list where we had to pay specific attention to her and on any given day. Great. So looking back, what do you think, what would you attribute her success to? Well, she, she comes from a family that had a large amount of production through six generations. Usually, I'm, I'm probably a little different than a lot of larger farms. I still do all my own mating as far as each individual cow where a lot of larger dairies will have people come in from AI companies and maybe do their mating for them. I I'm still a hands-on person, and I try to do the best I can as far as making that cow or animal reach their next level of potential, make, make them better for production, for type, mobility, whatever for the environment that um, we're in. So what are some of those things that you do management-wise? Well, one of the things that... Uh... 3918 excelled in is that she is a, a fairly uh, aggressive cow and uh-huh. she's mind of her own. She's fairly determined. Um, but she also, uh, in her entire life, uh, up through that record, she never had a single health trait. We never had a health incidence on her. She um, never was treated for any ketosis or hoof problems. She always bred back within a couple services. So one of the keys to her that I think is a phenomenal story is that she's an Olympic athlete that didn't use a lot of enhancing types of, of drugs or enhancing things to make her special. And that really is the goal every day at our farm is um, we want cows that have very little stress. And so we do that by, how do we do that, Scott? We have the activity rumination system that we use to monitor if there's any change so that Scott can jump right on that. Scott, why don't you tell them about the success we've had with our um, rumination program? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that we've seen with the rumination program that that we put in eight years ago is that after preparing for a, a loss of our herdsman at some point down the road that I was going to have to take it over. And what I found quite interesting is when I really dove into it that we were able to drop our incidence of DAs by 80%, our ketosis treatments by 65%, and, and even as far as catching um, a cow that might be coming down with a mastitis case, we were on top of that probably 12 to 16 hours earlier than we would be before she showed up in the parlor. So we could we could jump on everything faster. I, I know I will probably never be able to repeat again what we did back in 2017 when when we dropped our DAs from about 24 in a year down to two. 
my veterinarian wasn't happy with me because he lost a lot of money. But I said, you know, I think this is a great thing because I don't have to call on you all the time. I've got this all figured out. We just jump on it faster. And when it comes down to it on, on our farm, everybody here is a, a cow person. They genuinely like to work with cows and to see them succeed. So that's why we, we make sure they have proper facilities as far as stalls, um, bedding, ventilation to make their life less stressful and our life less stressful. Yeah. I'll break that down a little bit to you. Um, sure. We believe in listening to the cows and that's what we, everybody does. We really listen and watch and observe cows, but we also are real farmers and we have to do it economically. So we dream of having fancier barns with better ventilations. We don't have a crossfit barn. We have um, a naturally ventilated barn. And uh, we looked at doing some extra ventilation things, and we found that just adding a lot more fans and moving a lot of air was something that we could afford and still increase cow comfort. Uh, we bed with uh, sand. It's a washed sand. Um, it's not, as soon as we leave washed sand, we get a little bit of mastitis, don't we, Scott? But, um, so we make sure it's a washed sand, and uh, we bed weekly and refill the stall. And then all of the stalls are groomed. Uh, every day, because through all of this, what we found is um, we have to be persnickety, and we don't have a day that we give up on doing the things right. We give it our best shot every day, and we know in farming that's tough, but our whole team, our whole crew is committed to that type of cow care. The same goes, uh, we we give three servings, four servings of food, but we push up about every, was every hour. Normally, we push up uh, eight to ten times a day, consistently eight, so it's usually every two to two and a half hours normally and companies and they're very impressed how everything is, is so precise on how, how it's done. But that's something that we do ourselves and our people see that and they follow our lead. They're into what we do. So really what we just do is we just try to make this a, a vacation for all of our cows where they don't have any stress. We've constantly got food ahead of them, and with the use of the uh, technology, we've been able to jump on anything before the cow even gives us clinical signs. We are uh, aggressive about doing preventative care. So that's kind of what we do every day. And that's how 3918 got to express her genetics, because you can have phenomenal genetics, and you can have the, the most perfect ration, but we're here to tell you that that perfect ration won't work unless you have all the, the health of the cow intact. And we can tell you that you don't have to have brand new facilities. Our facility is about 20 years old. You don't have to have brand new facilities to have a world record cow. Awesome. That's great advice. Do you have any insight as to how you manage and support a higher producing cow as she matures in the herd? Do you do anything differently as that cow ages? Not really. I guess we just um, go with what the cows tell us. Um, we just make sure that, uh, you know, we have a, a balanced feeding program. Um, we keep monitoring everything. If there's things that we need to change, with it, it's changed immediately. And it's, it's really doing the same thing every day and just being consistent. That, that's really I think what it comes down to because we, we still manage the cows in groups, but we try to think you know, with the SCR system, it's a little bit more one at a time because I'm still able to monitor everything that way. But it's just a consistency day in and day out, not cutting the corners 
and making sure that you're on, on top of that ration if there's something that's changing. And there's things that we underestimate that we do, um, you know, as we make sure the stocking density doesn't get too high. As soon as it does, we see more stress and the cows have to compete more for the feed bunk. And so then all of a sudden we have compromised milk production. Flies. This is when we start really looking at fly control and trying to do different things. Once again, minimize stress. That is more milk production. We, we try to watch out for noise. Um, we don't like our people to be noisy or too quickly in moving the cow. Just be patient with the cow. So those are maybe the little things that we underestimate that makes them, uh, their rumen happy and constant and um, minimizes stress. So it's just part of that philosophy of listening to the cows and being persnickety about the details. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Could you talk with us a little bit about your calf program? Can you share with us what you guys do? That's kind of interesting that you, you asked that because about three years ago, we started looking quite heavily into doing something different with our calf raising program. We were having little glitches here and there, either at weaning or after weaning when, when they were moving from individual pens to groups. We were moving plenty of air all the time in our, in our old facility that we were in, but the air was not getting down to the calves, and we were probably treating way more calves than we needed to. And we started looking at different facilities, and we came up with our own version of a calf barn, which it's a hybrid barn that's power vent ventilation with group housing. Well, actually, I was fantasizing about an auto feeder barn, but that price tag went way out of our realm of affordability on 500 cows. And we wanted to, to uh, reduce our labor and become more efficient. So what we do is um, it is a positive pressure calf barn. The calves are in groups and they are mob fed. Uh, we uh, put them as an individual calves for 10 days until we get a group of four. We built it because we could load one ten in a one week of heifer calves. Then we feed them, uh, we mob feed them, and we increase their milk consumption. And we've gone basically to a less than a half percent mortality and a less than half a percent treatment. We were at about a five percent mortality rate, and we're down to less than half a percent. And we have just healthy, robust calves. So I can tell you those first ones are going to be hitting the milking parlor. So we are really excited with those healthy lungs that those two-year-olds are going to really kick off and give us all their genetic potential. Awesome. That's really exciting. Earlier in our podcast, we, we shared a little bit about heifer inventory and how it's important to carry the right number of quality heifers. How do you guys manage your heifer inventory? So we are trying to incorporate new strategies as far as which ones we will raise and which ones will probably be um, relocated to different dairies. Typically, we sold 20% of the milking herd. So we always had more heifers than what we needed because part of our marketing plan was instead of investing in more concrete and growing, we were leveraging our genetics and selling 20% of the milking herd annually. That has been a market that's just dissipated. It's, it's, it's gone. So now we're taking a harder look at calves how grossy they are and how aggressive they are. We're getting daily gains right consistently in that two pounds per day before they're weaned. So if they're less than 1.8 pounds of average daily gain, they're getting a critical look about whether their future is here. And if they're not aggressive, um, we know that if they can't compete in a group of four, 
it's going to be a struggle in a group of 25 in their in the next group and when they get to that big 10 of 50 or more they're just not going to be able to be aggressive at the feed bunk and so we're looking at health traits and since we have so few of those we're looking at i don't know if we'll call them aggressive traits and then we're also taking a look at we haven't done genomic testing in the past but we are looking at uh, the, the pedigree indexes and estimating based on uh, their pedigree performance or their ancestor performance, whether they're going to continue to be in the herd. Yeah, that's really great. Well, um, if we want to tell farmers what's important is to have the right team of people to work with you, because we can do this because we are assisted by our team of uh, professional consultants. And I know sometimes you, you just have to be lucky where you live if you have access to enough quality people, but they're willing to send in experts. And we have a quarterly analysis on our farm, on our benchmarks that we have. And um, it really surrounding yourself with the right kind of consultants who are committed, help drive that passion. And then we include our staff in on that as well. When we have team meetings, we bring in our staff so they can appreciate. We don't tell them what to do, we educate them and then hope they have the same passion that we do in achieving that goal. And then of course, when they do achieve the goal, you have to reward the staff people who do the work because then they'll continue to want to achieve and then we can all reach our, our goals together. Great. We've talked about a lot of, of different ideas, but if you could just pinpoint the kind of mindset you would say that you have to have in order to maintain and continue to improve your herd, how would you describe that? For me, it's always looking to the future and every day, when I get out of bed and I put my boots on and go out to the bed barn, I like looking at the cows I work with. You have to be happy with that. I like the milk that they produce. It gets me excited every day when I can when I can look at my computer and say, oh, well, 39.18, she had a 200-pound day yesterday, or 42.61 had a 200-pound day yesterday. There, There's a lot of days here that you know, we have cows that are producing 200 pounds of milk a day. We want good, healthy milk that we produce with high components because that's something that, that we strive for. We get paid for it. So we, we try to be over seven pounds of combined fat and protein every day. And I just like to improve not only the type of the cow, but the efficiency of the cow, the mobility of the cow. So I focus on one or two traits that a cow might need to improve on, and hopefully I can hit the bullseye. It doesn't happen every time but it's something new and exciting for me every day. And I think because uh, we're real farmers, our mindset is we still have to have a return on investment. So we have wishes for some newer technology, and uh, we'd like to have one of those, mod a newer barn with uh, more mechanical or better ventilation. But we know the reality is, is that we are confined by, by what we can afford or what we can get a return on investment on. You don't have to have brand new. You don't have to have perfect. You have to have commitment and um, excitement. And uh, even on the rough days, don't cut the corners. That's the big thing. Um, you can make up for some other things by just uh, having a committed team and not cutting corners, trying to always achieve that, that goal. We still love going out and just walking and looking at our cows and seeing our genetics at work and seeing our staff. And uh, we're very proud of that. Definitely. Is there any last bit of advice for other producers looking to have an exceptional herd of cows? We just always say uh, keep it simple, 
and keep the cows comfortable and healthy. Really, it all focuses on the cows, and it doesn't take a lot of magic feeds or really expensive feeds. If you just get in your corn silage correctly and your haylage properly, those are the basis of everything that drives the farm next to cow comfort. Don't you think, Scott? Oh, definitely, and always have a goal. And just remember that just because you have a goal, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to come in baby steps, but don't get frustrated. It takes time. We didn't do what we've done overnight. It's been a long, long time coming, and there's different things that we try to achieve. (laughs) And, yes, there are some hiccups along the way, obviously, but um, you battle through it, and you just we keep grinding and – Keep setting new goals. That that's kind of where we're at. You know, we we get to certain points in either cow health or milk production, and we try to set the bar a little bit higher every day. And if you get lucky, and you have a stress-free environment, and you have an inconspicuous cow with a big appetite that never has any health problems, you might end up someday with a world record cow. That's just how we we work every day. All right. Well. Thanks again, Pam and Scott, for sharing your insights and providing a real-life example of how a farm can dial into their best dairy. Throughout this podcast series, we've explored the management practices that dairies have used and implemented to allow their cows to achieve high genetic potential. Hopefully, this has motivated you to evaluate areas on your dairy to unlock unseen potential in your herd. For help with specific topics, you are encouraged to reach out to your regional CCE dairy specialist. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast series, Dialing Into Your Best Dairy. Be sure to check out the podcast page on the ProDairy website for recordings of earlier episodes, contact information on specialists, and additional resources for each episode in the podcast series. We're the Regional Dairy Specialists from Cornell Cooperative Extension. Look for future podcast series on the Cornell ProDairy webpage. Thanks again for tuning in to Dialing Into Your Best Dairy. This podcast has been presented by Regional Dairy Educators with Cornell Cooperative Extension and ProDairy.